Quantum Shit Show. My name is Bo, and I'm here with Jody, Danny, and Kenna. Hey guys. Hello. And Hello. We, we are <laughs> hanging around, um, buzzing a little bit off of some conversation that we've been having. Uh, if you're a regular follower or supporter of the show, uh, you may know exactly what's coming next or have an idea. But we are going to be continuing. Uh, just some organic flow of conversation that we have been having regarding the dynamic, the energetic dynamics between masculine and feminine energy and how that shows up real time, real world, big picture, little picture in our lives. Sounds like I'm peeing, but I'm pouring it to kettle. Yeah, we're making, we're making tea, guys. We're about to sip the tea and spill the tea. <laughs> That's right. So... Um, okay. <laughs> it's still going. <laughs> this is a big spill. I'm thanking Danica about the conversation that we had about the sword and the stone and the way that we're understanding it with relation to um, physics, um, masculine principle, feminine principle. And um, there's so much here for us to like break open, but I, I don't even mean to go into all of that except to say, whenever I shared that with you and I said, Oh my God, the entire story around King Arthur pulling the sword from the stone was a separation of the masculine and feminine principle that mm -hmm. was originally meant to be unified. Yeah, it is the pillar and the torus. Yes. And I'm like, well, of course it makes me laugh hysterically that people think that this was like factual and it's like, you know, this is an actual person and all of that kind of stuff because we all know that it's literary well, that we've um, been taught. Yeah, it's literary lore, okay. but it's a good story. You know, it's an enjoyable story that people people really enjoy. But I think about all the ways that that feminine principle got masculinized in all the things we've talked to each other about, about people who have resonated with that timeline, that uh, literary lore as a timeline, and have made you know bold statements about the feminine being the one that is leading the masculine and if the masculine gets pulled and separated from the feminine then it automatically does what Bo mentioned in the last episode and that is that the feminine begins to restructure herself and forms a false masculine structure yeah and this is making me think of <clears throat> when you want that one mm -hmm. when the sword is pulled from the stone when the pillar is pulled from the Taurus what happens whenever the central pillar of light is gone? It, cre it leaves the chakras that store the trauma. The chakras are the disarray of the pillar. False structure system. It is the false structure. He relinquished, I mean, he pulled the sword out of the stone, which is the masculine principle, removed it from the feminine principle and left the feminine unprotected. Yeah. Well, then idolize the sword. As, his, as, it. as the root of all of his power. And it was a story of birthright and a story of lineage. 
But and it was just a fucking story. Yeah. It was just a story, and it was a story of um, him creating this alleged round table where all were. They all came around a round table and laid their swords down to symbolize this this alleged equality. But it left the feminine completely unprotected. Yeah, admitted. This is just these lores are in line with religion in the same way is that very rarely in a single deity or a worship scenario that you don't have women present. Well, and you have to understand too that there is a lot of galactic history, no matter what you may think about that and, and whether you want to even get into it for yourself, if you choose to, you'll find that there most of the rulers in galactic history in other spaces in the cosmos were matriarchal. And these women were strategists and these beings were smart. They are smart. And their method and their, their um, purpose is to go in and rule and take over by force if necessary. Mm-hmm. And men that were given power were literally given power. Yeah, it reminds me of the story of Jezebel. Mm-hmm. Or as my nephew called it a long time ago, Jezebel. <laughs> Jezebel. Exactly. Yeah, it's the story of Jezebel, right? Where she yeah, was, she, I mean, she was using her man as a, like a human shield almost, huh. like a front, yeah. yep, and basically controlling everything that he did, but making him appear to do it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Old evil. It's very interesting because I, I think it was several months ago that I really had this realization around the fact that it wasn't, there wasn't any tyrannical masculine energy that men were actually the authors of. The tyrannical masculine mm-hmm. was coming from the inverted feminine. Yeah, this is gonna ruffle some feathers. Yeah, it will, but you know, whatever. There's a lot of pain in there too. Yeah, I mean, I just think that it's better for us to understand this isn't to attack women, and I don't want it to sound like that. Um, I just want to help bring some understanding here because it's when women have had to go and stand in a place where they aren't meant to stand for the purpose of protecting themselves um, that has created a lot of trauma and a lot of pain. And I think there's been a lot put on men uh, to show up in certain ways and be this certain thing. And I've even heard women be like, you know, I wish they would just step up and I wish they would just do this thing and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, um, well, if you would ever relinquish your manhood, they probably could step up. Mm. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, right. that was originally mine, but you get the pink cup that says meow on it. <laughs> you. Are you laughing at what I said? I'm laughing at what you said because it is cut to the core reality, I feel like. And and here's the thing. This I'm happens not- in really subtle ways. It's not exactly. I don't think that you're saying... If you're about to say this, I don't want to take words or put words in your mouth, but I also don't want to take your opportunity to say what you need to say away, but I don't feel like you were even saying that women are manly. No, it's <laughs> or not anything about like that. that. It's the false structure they've created to protect themselves, and I understand why they have a hard time relinquishing it. It's the same reason we have a hard time coming back into the body. Right, and I think even on the flip side of that, what we see in men or the 
generally accepted or supported views of what men are or are supposed to be um, are driven by needs that are unmet in themselves and in women. And whenever I look at the things personally that have contributed to what makes up my idea of what a man is, that is predominantly driven and implanted by the women in my life. Mm-hmm. And that's work. That's something that I say now, very matter of fact, but it took years to really even be in a place to understand that for myself. Because mm-hmm. the first place I look, of course, in what's creating safety within myself or whenever I'm going to go repair my masculine energy or start looking at my masculine wounding, uh, of course, my first go-to is like, okay, how's my relationship with my father? What did that look like? What did that represent for me? And it took me down a path of healing that I had to walk down and it was deep. And it wasn't that I'm doing deeper healing now than I was then because the emotions are just the same. I mean, the shame that I felt uh, from the depictions that the father figures in my life or the men or brother figures in my life, the friends that I had uh, gave me of myself, those depictions that were created of this world, my place in this world, things that I'm meant to get from God, where I belong, my role uh, and who I am for other men, who I am for women was totally jacked up (laughs) in every sense because the men that I did have in my life, and the role models that I did have were unavailable in many ways, yet still had structure. They still had some consistency or reliability. Even if it was, I could rely on them to fly off the wall, fly off the handle or be a loose cannon or whatever, or I could rely on them to not be emotionally available for me. Um, I could rely on them in other ways. Like, you know, my stepdad growing up provided, Uh, everything that I needed physically, Mm -hmm. you know, and there were things that I've had to work through. And uh, I I think that he didn't have the right tools to even understand like a healthy dynamic between a father and a son. Um, But this isn't even, this story isn't even about him necessarily. It was about not only did I have father figures, male role models in my life, what they were depicting to me, and the ones that weren't in my life anymore. Biological father was in my life until I was, uh, from a very early age up until there was like almost uh, a 12 or 13 year gap there. Mm. So there was a lot of um, abandonment or rejection or even betrayal wounding and feeling responsible for that, the guilt and the shame that I felt or feeling like a burden or feeling like I was the reason for all that. I had to deal with all that stuff. And there, there was a process. My point initially, <laughs> I'm all getting like vulnerable and sharing like my story here. But my point was, is that I'm at a place now where I'm realizing that what was left over after sifting through all the ideas of what a man was that I received from my father figures and the men in my life, my ideas of what a man was were predominantly informed by my mother, my sisters, former girlfriends, uh, friends that were girls, um, even more feminine embodiment. Like in my life, the men who were embodied more in their feminine energy. At one point I was surrounded by 
men who either never stuck around or were in their tyrannical energy or women. And it was like, now to this day, it's like my grandma, my mom, my aunt, my sister, and my brother, um, are the ones in my lives. And it's just like coming into relationship with you, babe, coming into relationship with Jody was the new standard that was set for me where it started unearthing not only my ideas of how to be a man or what a man's supposed to do from those ideas that I've been given from men in my life, but oh my God, there was so much more around the women in my life informing me about how to move, how to anchor certain things in or what to anchor in or what my place was like those things that I get from my connection with God and that Holy father presence or having a uh, regulated nervous system, Mm -hmm. how to, how to do all those things. It was like, I was so disembodied that I didn't have any masculine energy anchored in and everything that I was ready to do. It was almost like being a yes man for whatever you need. Like I will be whoever you need me to be. And I had no sense of who I was without that thing constantly informing me. And whenever I look at the dynamics of that thing being the women in my life, they don't even have an anchor point. All of the anchor points that they have have been created by themselves. And so everything that informed me about how to be an anchor came from women who were just trying to be anchors for themselves because the men weren't showing up. And so it was like, such a a reality check for me around my understanding of masculinity and femininity and how those things show up in my experience as a man uh, and how to go about healing my wounds that have been inflicted on my structure because the core wounding didn't always just happen between me and my, my father. It was the misinformation that I got from the feminine essence that was just trying to keep itself safe. So there was a lot of control. There was a lot of manipulation. This is where the false uh, feminine archetype of the manipulator, the controller comes from. It's from the need for safety. Mm -hmm. Whenever that masculine archetype, that divine masculine archetype is not in play. So you take that out of the picture And then the feminine has no choice but to abandon everything that she is naturally in order to create first and foremost structure and safety for herself. The effort that it takes to do that will completely deplete her organic purpose. And I say her, him, because I'm I'm personifying these things right now, but it exists in men and women. It does exist in men. That's why I was thinking when you said it, because I was like, my experience with the men in my life has been this inverted way of being masculine, which is I'm the boss, I'm in charge, but they are unable to hold anything without it completely collapsing them on the inside. So their nervous systems are not regulated at all, which means their reactions are just that constantly reacting to life, constantly reacting to the things around them. They don't have their own anchor point, but they want to be the one that steers the ship and they don't have the wherewithal in their body to be steered. You know, they don't know how to steer their own self. And I mean that in the, in the practical sense, but I also mean it in the plasmic sense. Like there is not wholeness there. And so there's no one's manning the ship at all. And their essence is literally in complete disarray. 
it is in complete chaos. And then they want to be the one that holds it down. And it's like, but you're not holding it down, you know? And I remember um, in my experience, um, oh my gosh, I coached a lot of um, men. And I somehow always ended up with the men that were just like super machismo and like, you know, they had very successful businesses because that part of the masculine structure was in full force. It was like the drive and the need to be successful and the need to prove themselves, which also comes from a distorted feminine overcompensation. <laughs> yes. Um, a feminine influence that makes them feel like they have to do that to actually gain the um, trust or the affections of the feminine. Anyway, there's a lot of things going on there, but I remember the, I remember the moment it happened. I was talking to a man who was in his fifties, um, handsome, had, you know, homes and cars and successful business did not have successful relationships necessarily. But I remember him asking me, um, what does it mean to grow up? Like, what does it actually mean for me to be a grown up man? And I, I remember looking at him going, what did you just say to me? Um, because by all accounts and everything that the world says, people would think that he was already very much grown up. He's in his fifties. He's got things together. I'm using air quotes. And I just sat there for a moment and had this whole flood of understanding. And I was like, Oh my God, there was massive mother wounding there uh, for sure. And I don't even know if I had the vocabulary to say it like that at the time, but I understood what was going on. And then I just started to realize like, oh my God, men who are walking around pretending to be men are walking out the idea that they have in their mind of what it looks like to be a man. And they learned it from their mother, even if their dad was in the house, because you know what? Their dad learned how to be a man from their mother, because women by and large have been the ones to rear the children. I'm not saying it's across the board. This is always the case. Mm -hmm. But even if you take a man who's a single dad that is rearing the children, he is still projecting a false idea of what it means to be masculine onto his sons and daughters Mm -hmm. because there's been an inversion as old as time. Mm -hmm. Right. I do want to talk about that, the inversion that is as old as time. And this is something that I feel like I heard you say it the other day whenever you brought this forward after your men's group. And Mm -hmm. I've been you know, kind of playing around with this idea. But in the last episode, we kind of ended on the note where I had the realization that this is like, you know, what, what implications this has with the patriarchy. Mm. And um, since you're a little bit more anchored in this bow, I'm going to ask you this question. I don't even know how to pose the question. Because <laughs> 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 it's still not anchored in me yet, but can you can you talk a little bit more about what this means as far as like what this um, you know and I'm using air quotes here this boogeyman that is the patriarchy like <laughs> this not and I'm not trying to diminish it because I do think that there is a patriarchy right. here right. you know but I I want to understand more of what the implications are if the patriarchy was actually built by the feminine. Mm-hmm. And now we're in a place where we're fighting the patriarchy. Here is the women are yeah, here's, exactly. Here's the kicker, and this is a bit of the plot twist. Um, is that I think that the patriarchy is built by the feminine, but it's men 
who are in their embodied inverted feminine. Mm-hmm. So, like we talked about... Lacking the, the divine masculine. Exactly. So, okay. men and women, when we're disconnected from that which informs us, right? That genetic coding, like a, a, a child without its parents, right? If we are in a space of not knowing our lineage, not knowing our history, we may have a certain color skin, we may have a certain color eyes, a certain curl or straightness to our hair. And if we're disconnected from our parents, it doesn't mean as much. We almost have to go through life and either take on the meanings that other people provide or come up with our own. So this is basically what's happening with God is like when we're separated from God on a level, we're fumbling through this space of the world, basically begging in a way from the deepest desire in our heart to know God and to remember that source and something tell me who I am. Anything in this world can come in and give us a role, give us a purpose, give us a place. And so whenever we have, for example, men, okay, and this is a very, I think to stay grounded in this, it's important for us to talk about men and women in the roles in society that they play but also understand that when men are leading something such as a patriarchy, they're also being led by their masculine and feminine energy. Mm-hmm. So men, I would say, are representatives of the embodied masculine, but that doesn't mean that they don't have feminine energy. Mm-hmm. So whenever a man does not have a true anchor point for what his masculine energy actually represents, then his own feminine essence does not feel safe. Whenever we're talking about the nervous system, in people in general, being dysregulated, we're talking about something that is an integral part of humanity and how we interpret our surroundings and process the stimulus that we get. We don't have something that that our nervous system is anchored to to tell us, it's okay, I know this is happening, but you're safe, I got you. If we grow up and... Our nervous system is so dysregulated, that's another way of saying we don't have masculine support. So it doesn't just mean that you have men in your life or you have a brotherhood of sorts. If there aren't pure principles being anchored in that space to make you feel safe, your masculine energy will never develop properly. Dang. Just like your nervous system. So would you say then that um, this this feminine energy that doesn't feel safe that is present in actual physical men, would this equate to what we sometimes hear, you know, um, talked about as like male ego fragility? Yeah, like what has been called like superiority or inferiority complex or like the little man syndrome, things like that. Yeah, um, exactly. It's... And this is why it's it's like whenever we have an underdeveloped or arrested development in our masculinity as people, but I'll say specifically for men, in such things in the lens of, of looking at the patriarchy is that really comes from a bunch of guys who don't have a true anchored masculine presence in their lives that informs them that they can learn how to embody that for themselves and their feminine energy is in panic and coping response 24 seven. So things like flightiness in men that we see, 
uh, absence, immobilization in men who don't know how to stand up for what is true, for what is right, defend the innocent, that protector thing that's like absent in men, but also that overdrive. That is like, we are the workhorses of this society and we're going to build this world. It comes from the feminine essence in men not feeling safe and then going into overdrive to create its own safety, which is why this world does not have soul because the feminine energy has built it and it cannot maintain its life force and structure at the same time. So the inversion is the same in both men and women. Right. And so the patriarchy is built by men, but it is initiated. It's initiated by the feminine in them. That doesn't feel safe. Right. And so we have men learning to become men, climbing certain ladders and women. We're talking about men too, but we're talking about women too. (laughs) But I think in the lens of patriarchy is like a society that's run by men. Of course, there are almost blatant explanations as to why women would feel unsafe in that and need Mm -hmm. to be like, this has to change. But what really has to change is true masculine energy being anchored in men and women because in men, most of the time, their masculine energy, regardless of their sexual orientation of themselves, organically, our masculine energy, men and women is going to be waiting in response for the instruction of the feminine and vice versa. So just like we talked about with masculine and feminine not being able to exist separately in that way, these are ways to understand the energetics of what goes on within us and how we get our needs met by ourselves and by God. But they inform one another. So when right. one is absent, the other has nowhere to go. They overcompensate. It's like if you hurt your body and you're, you have you know a hurt ankle on the right side like I did a few weeks ago. I naturally overcompensate and shift all my weight over to the left side. And then that part of my body just gets overworked and overused. Mm-hmm. And the other side goes dormant, basically. Mm-hmm. Loses its ability to actually function normally. Mm-hmm. If it goes on it's to like atrophy. It atrophies, yeah. yeah. So would you say then that nervous system <clears throat> regulation is um, like the very, it's the very physical aspect of providing safety um, so trauma, trauma healing and stuff like that, that is cultivating the masculine in us is through mm-hmm. nervous system regulation. Right. And we've, then, we've called it healing, healing the father wound. Mm-hmm. <gasps> Whoa. Mm-hmm. You know, being, letting God <clears throat> be our father. Yeah. That's what we've called it. In and so the lack of structure, the lack of structure, then I'm just kind of connecting these dots. And I, and I did so very quickly at the end of the last episode. And, um, but I'm just trying to kind of retrace them a little bit more intentionally so that I can kind of retain it. Yeah. But the lack of presence of God and plasma intelligence or ancestral memory is what creates the lack of structure and safety initially. Initially. And then that everything that we're experiencing now is just trauma breeding, trauma breeding, trauma breeding. Coping mechanism, which is where the control comes from. Because it's the need to control 
in order to provide that safety. And so embodiment is going to be the answer to both the spiritual and the practical, very like the intangible and the tangible aspects of yeah. it, because through embodiment, we find safety in our body. We regulate our nervous system. We heal our wounds. Mm -hmm. We come into connection with self and we come into connection with God in relationship with God. And wow. then when we come back into fractality, then we're in connection with and, and right relationship with all of our relations that are in fractality with the cosmic ecosystem of God. Yeah, this is, this is reminding me of, because Danica, you just said, as you were explaining it, you were like, so the absence of this thing, um, automatically knocks the other right. part out of space. And I'm like, this is actually a spiritual law. Right. Um, I don't, I, there is an actual name for it, but I'm going to call it the law of response and, or the law of demand really is what it is. It's the law of demand. Is and it every action has an equal and opposite reaction? Is that what you're talking it's about? It's not that okay. one. It's 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 like the most practical way I could uh, demonstrate it is. Nature pours a vacuum. Um, no, not oh. that. But where <laughs> we're trying to finish your sandwich. Yeah. <laughs> it's very, it's really practical. It's like where people are asking for things in their life. Like let's talk about money. And it's just like this is a real practical one where people All are attraction. Um, kind of, but here not. I go again. <laughs> so the law of demand. Um, or response, or however you want to call it, is that if I say, you know, I need, <laughs> I need to have fifty thousand dollars a month in my life. I need to have fifty thousand dollars left. I want that. I want that. I want that. But I have not created the space. I have not opened up the demand for that in my life. There is no way for me to receive it because there's nothing in my life that says this needs to be met mm -hmm. and it can only happen when the space is opened up that that need has to show up because it must be I'm and, happy. yeah and so it's making me think this is a spiritual law you know we don't get to have certain things in our life because we haven't made the demand the demand hasn't been made it's like if we live in a space and we have a car and this and that and everything combined together is you know three thousand dollars a month and we're demanding that we have fifty thousand dollars a month but we haven't created a demand, a need for that to be there, then it doesn't show up because that would negate the law. That is superfluous to what we actually have a demand for in our lives. It's consumption, right? It's this greediness sense. towards consumption. Well, it's demanding structure without giving it a purpose. Right. So what so money represents for people usually is safety, security. Mm -hmm. And if... <laughs> You're demanding that, which is a representation of that masculine energy. I want structure. I want safety. I want to know that you're going to be here and that I can rely on you. That's what money represents to most people. And exactly what you're saying, I had a realization. I was like, dude, if you give it nowhere to go or no purpose, then it's not going to actually oh, yeah. be able to show up in the way that it's meant to be, which oh, is... This is what we're looking at with regards to the masculine and the feminine. If one pulls itself out, the other has no cause to actually be in its whole state and show up fully, you know, mm -hmm. healed. And this reminds me, I know it's not exactly the same thing, but it reminds me of a joke that my mom told me one time. And it's a blonde joke, so sorry. <laughs> but she basically was saying that there was this blonde woman and she uh, was praying day and night. She wanted to win the lottery. And she was praying first thing when she got up in the morning, she was praying first thing before she went to bed and months and months passed and she never won a lottery. And I mean, she got so mad and she was just like, God, why have you forsaken me? Why won't you give me what I need? And the clouds parted and God shone down and he said, 
or they said. <laughs> you could you could buy a lottery ticket. Yeah, someone's ticket. gonna make a joke about <laughs> You could buy a lottery ticket. Right. What, that's what oh. they said, and it's like she, she wasn't creating a container for it to happen, or there was no there was no practical movement towards what she wanted to happen right. for it to actually happen. Right. It's like, well, it makes me think too, of how many times people have been like, God, I needed this so bad. And it just showed up, you know, when I needed this, this thing happened, that thing happened. Why? Because there was a demand for mm -hmm. it. The energetic demand was there. Right. And so it has to, by law, come and meet the demand. That is the spiritual law. It is right. irrevocable, mm -hmm. you know? So same thing is true with the masculine and the feminine. What we're talking about right now, if one is pulled out of the space and absent, there is no demand for that other piece to actually fulfill its role. And this is also making me think about, um, in one of the other episodes, one of our earlier episodes, I talked briefly about, um, America being an experiment. We were talking about God and ancestral memory and stuff like that. And America being an experiment, where people came and they were completely cut off from their culture and cut off from God, mm -hmm. cut off from ancestral memory, cut off from earth memory also, mm -hmm. and have been living in this state of creating their own structure as far as like culture and God and all of that goes. And um, so there's that. And then the other aspect of it is that the country obviously was built on the genocide of indigenous people, my ancestors. And I talked briefly with you about this, talking about <clears throat> um, the, the, the root chakra and the um, connection that I made a long time ago when I was doing my yoga teacher training. And it was a realization that I had around the collective root chakra destabilization because the root chakra mm -hmm. in yoga culture, um, yogic culture, is said to develop between ages zero and seven, and it's all around safety, stability, um, having your basic needs met, mm -hmm. your home life, and things like that. And thinking about Indian removal times, whenever an entire group of people were moved from their homes, from their medicines, from their land, from their ancestral mm -hmm. memory of mm -hmm. those lands and culture. Um, and culture and had their language taken away from them and their dances and their prayers and their culture and things uh, like that. and we didn't have addiction before then thinking about at that moment, people started self-medicating and then this is why they say alcoholism and substance abuse is hereditary in indigenous communities and indigenous people. And it's not to my understanding. It's just that trauma breeds trauma, breeds trauma, breeds trauma. And this is taking me back to um, what we were just talking about, how the trauma of not having the structure of not having God, of not having access to that um, plasmic intelligence is what created the trauma to begin with. And then it was just passed down. So this is, yeah, this is like something that I think has been years in the making. And there are probably many people, well, I don't really know if this has been a thing that's been like, this is happening right now, you know, like the whole dynamics between the masculine and feminine. And I think it's a, it can be a touchy subject because of the wounding mm -hmm. <laughs> surrounding the subject and things that are very sensitive. Well, like, here's, here's the thing too, is that it's making me think about all the conversations that have happened in spiritual circles and online and stuff where people are like, 
women, especially like we need the masculine to show up so that we can be in our feminine, you know, we need the masculine restored because they have a role to play and, you know, they have a purpose to fulfill and all this stuff, but really a lot of women waiting on a man to come in and rescue them from their lack of safety because they have dismissed the fact and they'll, they'll talk about union all day long and even internal union. And it's like me and God, me and God. It's like, and yourself, mm-hmm. you're going to have to learn how to regulate yourself, exactly. create safety for yourself instead of waiting for Prince Charming to come and stand in a grounded space for you because you will not regulate. Well, it's such, exactly. it's such a paradox too, because a lot of these same women are, they would deny that they're the damsel in distress if you asked them. I know, but the damsel in distress is a program. Mm-hmm. It is an actual program used to actually put... And that's what, that's what the whole thing is that we're talking about, is the feminine becoming the damsel in distress mm-hmm. and then putting on the the hypermasculine mask to be her own savior. Yeah. And then blaming men. Right. And then, and then telling, and then telling them to, well, emasculating them and then blaming. Exactly. I think the thing is, is Jody, you say this all the time and it's so true. And we've seen it is that, you know, if there are women who are wanting to be in a relationship with somebody who can truly hold them, um, in every way as a human, uh, of course, we all have fallibility and no one's going to be able to hold a siege down like God will. Um, but, you know, if there are women out there who are feeling like I've been doing so much work, I've been doing all this uh, healing work and I'm ready for my union or I'm ready for my beloved or I, you're having these thoughts or feelings or you've heard things being promised to you, birthrights or, um, you know, things that you're actually entitled to. It's like if you aren't already creating some stability and structure for yourself by the time that counterpart shows up in your life to, to truly be in that space, you won't be able to, it it will hit you a lot harder than you think. Mm -hmm. Now I won't say you won't be able to, because people can do incredible things whenever they heal, whenever they're ready to surrender certain things or whenever we're ready to change. But if you're not already cultivating that trust and structure and um, there is a word consistency within yourself, then whenever that counterpart does come along, it may, it may rock your world a little bit differently than you anticipated. It won't always just be rainbow and sunshine. I'm saved. It will be, this is going to illuminate everywhere that you are not already honoring yourself, that you are in both people. I know women aren't going to want to hear this either, but until they really face the wounds that are in them and the distortion and inversion in them around their own masculinity, it's going to be mm-hmm. near impossible to bring into alignment the man who can also hold himself in a unified space because usually the women in that space are over-masculinized and they're holding this anchored, I'm using air quotes, thing inside their body and then they attract this like super machismo man in their space who acts like he huffs and puffs like he's a man mm-hmm. he's a man he's but like he's a male yep he's just a little boy in a man's <laughs> no, body yeah exactly <laughs> it becomes that type of relationship turns into what people call the narcissistic empath relationship mm-hmm. because the beta male it, it's narcissistic and then the woman who can't relinquish her false masculinity is like i'm such an empath that i'm 
I'm a victimizer. I'm, I'm, I'm a victim to whatever's happening here. Right. And it just, I, I don't know. And they're both just in the their same inverted feminine. <laughs> they're in feminine, feminine. That's so crazy. That's so wild. Yeah, and I think whenever it comes to understanding these dynamics, it's imperative for us to be able to detach from the men women conversation even though we yes. see it in men and women in our lives we are men and women um or whatever you guys may prefer to identify as but the thing is is like these energies are present within each one of us and the things that have run me as a man trying to learn how to show up in my embodied masculine energy uh are indeed my feminine wounding and this is why I swung the pendulum so far whenever I came into new age and got really into my feminine and wanted that to be okay. And it was just like, I, it, it confused me even further about myself because I have a tenderness. I have a sensitivity. I have feminine energy right. and I've always known that. And I've always felt like I was very in tune with that because I was surrounded by women my whole life. And I felt so wounded and confused within myself because everything that I knew about men was not available for me and everything that I knew about women uh, seemed like it was available for me, but informing me on what a man was. And so whenever I let my guard down in certain spaces or group spaces or, or men's groups and different things, I was like very much in my embodied feminine energy and um, everything about me said that. And now it's not the same way because I brought more of a balance into my own energy and understanding myself because I'm not overcompensating where my feminine felt unsafe and feeling like I needed to go embody this now. Mm -hmm. It was like this false liberation because whenever my feminine energy finally started to feel safe, it was easy for me to embody that and be like, this feels good. I'm just going to embody it. And it was like that resonance based pathway that we each walk. And it's like, it was so confusing still because yes, it felt good. It felt free and I was leaky as fuck <laughs> yeah, and I, I never was actually as safe as I thought I was. Right. And so you're saying like, I would go and embody this, but really what you were doing is you were going and pretending. Because well, I think that you, exactly. Yeah. And you were, you were leaky because you had no structure to hold right. the feminine. So there because can be no the embodiment without the structure. It was the pendulum right. swing. It's the, it's the classic archetype of person who was raised Catholic and then rejects religion and goes into new age spirituality, starts working with crystals and doing Tantra. It's like, <laughs> none of those things are necessarily like wrong, but it's the classic pendulum swing of mm -hmm. I'm free now. Yeah. <laughs> I'm free. I'm so free. I went from one <laughs> rigid structure into a structure that um, doesn't seem as rigid, but is still a structure nonetheless. And it still keeps me separate from myself because I don't know who I am. Yeah. And I'm not hating on crystals and Tantra either, because I know people who practice those things and there is pure principle, even in pure intention working with in those ways. But I was using it as an archetypal example of what I went through. Mm -hmm. and how I thought I was showing up in my masculinity when really I was just that hurt little boy just trying to be safe again or trying to be free or, okay, I'm going to swing the pendulum and go with this feeling all the way and see if you still accept me. I did the same thing coming out of religion and then going and swinging the pendulum in the other way and practicing chaos magic and witchcraft. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, I did it too. 
This is a funny thing. Funny thing. Like I was still working in quote unquote ministry, going to Barnes and Noble and reading books on Wicca, and all this stuff. <laughs> I can't even imagine me reading something like oh, that. Oh, girl, I had I had so many spell books up in my house. <gasps> yeah, oh, I, I was doing spells. Oh, yeah, yeah. Books, books for witches. The, the first books. <laughs> Are you serious? The first books that I ever got from Jody were all around. Uh, angels, angel numbers, manifestation, crystal, yeah, crystal. Um, that was after my Wicca phase. Crystal glossaries. Wicca phase. Yeah, that's anyway, funny. Like we said, I threw uh, when I started cleaning all my books and stuff out. I actually didn't even put those books in my little library. I just threw them away. Yeah, it's all like books about how to interpret messages from the divine. <laughs> yeah. uh, they have been to... in the back of my closet forever, and I like cleared them out because. Bo and his friends were like going through so much, and I was like, they'll like these books. <laughs> we took like 10, 15 books on. I was like, I'm done with these. I never like, opened so them. There was one that I, I really enjoyed for a while, and then still, I wouldn't go back and pick it up now. So, something that you said earlier, you were talking about coming into a relationship with people and not being able to, like, um, I guess, hold them and, like, really handle. Uh, I don't know how you were talking about it. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, you were saying something. You were saying something about. It. I can't remember exactly what you said, but I guess it doesn't matter. I was, I, was, kind of... I was saying like if we're not doing something already to cultivate that structure or mm -hmm. uh, consistency or safety within ourselves, by the time something comes into our life that offers us that, it may come with a lot more challenge to the things that are it's still in chaos or still right. in that fraction. Okay. Yeah, and so whenever you were talking about that, it was making me think of um, the characters that we create for people in our minds about how we think that they mm. should be, mm -hmm. um, about how, what kind of role we're expecting them to fill in our life or in our narrative, in our personal story, mm -hmm. our personal fairy tale, because you're talking about like Prince Charming, all this kind of Who stuff. they are to us. Exactly. And we are to them. Yeah. Exactly. And like relinquishing that because that is another false structure, a false form of control. And not and, and I see this a lot with women and I'm sure men too, but because I'm a woman, I feel like I see it more, you know. And um, you know, my girlfriend's talking about how he's just not the way that I thought he was gonna be. Mm. <laughs> are you allowing him to actually show you who he is? You know, and what if he's better than what you thought you wanted? Right. Mm -hmm. But there's no room for that because they're trying to hold the false structure and try right. to adhere to it because anything that is not abiding by it is making them feel unsafe. Right. Mm -hmm. right. And then they're having a trauma response to it. I think that that was something that I saw a lot too around the whole beloved conversation because the idea of having a beloved has, I've seen it send people way overboard <laughs> into this place of, well, this idea represents everything that a man or a woman is supposed to be in this embodiment to me. Exactly what you're talking about. And how many times have I seen, and I'll, I say women because it's predominantly women that I'm connected to through doing this work. I'm connected to men, of course. Um, but it seems to the majority of the time swing one way where it's, you know, there's an idea of somebody that we're supposed to be with and the way exactly what you're describing Danica the way that they're supposed to show up and naturally well unnaturally but in in this <laughs> life we almost like romanticize or fantasize what that's going to be like whenever we finally come into that space 
And like you said, is that is just exactly the same thing as men. Like whenever I would be in situations thinking, what does a man do right now? Like, what does it mean? I'm trying to learn how to be a man. Like, what does that mean? And not even realizing that that's still the little boy trying to search through the memory banks of what it's, what I've seen my mom do or what I've seen my father figure do in this moment or in this situation. Like, have I been through this before? Do I have a reference point for this? Instead of actually tapping into that thing of where it's actually coming, coming from. So with the beloved thing, it's like, we are, it's so easy to get sucked into the luster of the fantasy, the fairy tale narrative. And this is why we've said the beloved agenda is bullshit because it's not that there isn't a person for us or somebody who really completes and represents that full wholeness in our experience here. It's just adding <laughs> the deceptive luster into what tarnishes the authentic human interaction to begin with, which ended up, we ended up seeing that so many times. It's like when somebody knew who they thought they were supposed to be connected with, it soiled their, their organic connection human in every fucking possible way. I mean, you don't get to meet them for the first time and feel if there's something there because you're already assuming that there is, or someone already told you there is, you don't get to have an authentic chemistry between the, the two people don't get to have that experience because there's already all of this assumed chemistry and assumed history. People don't get to dance with each other the same way they used to. They don't get to have the same romance. You know, it completely strips the romance out of it because there's, I remember being in a relationship with you, babe. It was like, before we ever, you know, we knew each other for a year and weren't talking about beloveds or union or none of the shit. But by the time we, we came together under the, understanding like there's more here and this is this divine connection between us and we need to start acting on it mm -hmm. we came together and that was right whenever we were connecting to people who were able to provide more information about what it could possibly be and for me that fucked me up because i wasn't able to just be in a space with you like before when we could just be in a room full of people and end up at each other's hip, having a conversation for hours. Uh -huh. Inevitably. Uh -huh. It was, we're coming together to have lunch. And now there's all this history between us. And now <laughs> I don't even know what I'm supposed to say, because what if I fuck this up? Or what if it's not the way I think it's supposed to be? Yeah. And it was so much pressure and we didn't even get to just kick it. Mm -hmm. We didn't even get to just chill mm -hmm. because I couldn't chill because it was all of these things of like, yeah. who am I supposed to be right now? I wasn't in my masculine. I had been informed of how to be a man by women. So when you showed up, I was grasping for straws, <laughs> literally in my manhood. I didn't, I wasn't anchored to manhood and you knew it right away. And it made me feel insecure and ashamed. And I also felt so liberated from that because you supported me through, Hey, why don't you just let go of all these places in your life? that you're trying to draw your experiences from to figure out what the fuck you're supposed to do now and how to show up in a relationship with me and just be in relationship with me. Just put it all down right now. <laughs> just say what you're feeling. And it was like, it set me free over and over and over and over again. And that's what it's designed to do. But that's why we say if we're, <laughs> it may hit a little closer to home for those people who are pursuing or uh, pushing or even pulling at relationships like what we're talking about here because 
any of that pursuit energy, any of that manipulation, the pushing, the pulling, any false structures, false consistency that's been created around it. Forces it <coughs> comes to the light, and both people will not be able to not look at it. Yeah. You will either either have to look at it and alchemize it, which would mean changing both people, changing, mm-hmm. going through a rapid ref- refinement process, or go your separate directions. I like how you just threw a piece on when you said that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know. For me, I, if anyone ever came up to me and was like, "You're my beloved. You're the love of my life," I'd be like, "You're you you need therapy. You need help." <laughs> Like, uh, <laughs> well, no. Let me tell you, you this is, these are little things that happen in memes. Well, I mean, like, besides my on, husband, right? Spoofing <laughs> on like even this is this happens so much in the Christian culture, the Christian you guys. So much, and people are like doing this in the spiritual community, like my beloved, I'm looking for my beloved, or I know who my beloved is, and then pursuing these people, and the other person doesn't even freaking know, and it's very, oh, it's it's abusive. I, I'm just going to use that word because that's what it is. It's it is a tactic. It is manipulative. And I don't know that people are even doing it from that space, but it's the ignorance of it is not okay. And in Christian culture, this kind of shit happens all the time. I cannot even tell you how many times I have somebody come up and be like, God told me you're going to be the woman I marry. And I was like, <laughs> oh, 15. So and I'm like, what the? It's so gross and it you creates know? such a forceful <laughs> atmosphere. And it's so violating. It's so violating. Well, it Here's takes the, the choice thing. away. It does take yeah. the choice away. And saying, God told me, uh-uh. You do not freaking do that. Listen, if God's telling you something, you just keep your little mouth shut because God will tell the other person if God needs to. God does not need you to go be the mouthpiece for God right. in that situation. <laughs> it's taking people's choice away. Exactly. exactly like you said. And that is a violation of sacred law. It's ripping the heart and soul out of what this is meant to represent in the first place. Because I was going through a whole process whenever you and I met and I was having like all these things come up and I'm like, this is crazy. This is absolutely insane. And I could have easily gone to him and been like, so I'm having this experience with God and this is what God is showing me. And it would have, it would have collapsed him. He was not in a space to hold that. And that's why I was so clear with God. I was like, listen, I don't know what you're up to and I don't know what you're doing. My life is already crazy and I'm dealing with a lot of nonsense in my life right now. And if these things are true, then you will reveal it to him because I will never say a word. And I did not. She didn't. She held it for. I never uh, said a word. Just under a year. Sat in silence. Call, talk about surrender. Talk about patience. Yeah, it wasn't mine to tell. That's God's job. That is not my job. And. Gosh, if you could just, you know, stop using God as your permission slip to do things that are not helpful. (laughs) Right. You know, it's just like, no, we can't do that, y'all. And so, yeah, I'm also thinking right now, though, this conversation is bringing up a lot in me of things I've, I've witnessed and conversations I've had with people that are just like, you know, I love that he provides for us and he does all these things, but he's just not available emotionally. And blah, 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 blah. And I hate to say that this goes back to some conversations around some new age ideas that I witnessed, but there's some truth in it. And, and that is basically what you're sharing right now. What we're talking about is the ability to come into our own wholeness. Because there isn't, I think about people all the time being like they're waiting for the other person to come into their life. And they think reciprocity is you show up in your masculine and I show up in my feminine and we give that to each other. And that's reciprocity. And it's like, no, it ain't. That's not it. 
I'm asking you to be able to hold it down for me. And so I sure as hell better be able to hold it down for myself and you. Right. That's reciprocity. That's that keeps one person from having to bear the weight that the other person is unable to bear. Mm-hmm. And that's true equality in a relationship. You know, it's like if you are able to get yourself in a grounded and anchored space and I'm able to get myself grounded and anchored in the times where something rattles us or trauma Stumble, is, yeah. you know, brought up and we need that other person to just be a safe place for us, it's available and neither one of us feel taken from. And in relationships I've had in the past, it was like, you're the woman, you do this. You're the man, you do this. And then we try to meet in the middle somewhere and one person ends up holding the bag of structure and the other person gets to act in complete chaos. And guess what it does to the person who holds the structure? It burns them out and they collapse in on themselves because the weight is not evenly distributed. And it has to be present in both people. And do I think that you have to be fully healed to come into the relationship that you want? No. You can come into any relationship you want to come into at any time that you want to come into it. I just think that the more that you're willing to let these pieces of you be healed, the closer you get to the person that can actually hold it down for you for real Mm -hmm. in that other space. Right. So you're going to also be able to hold it down for yourself. Right. Yeah. So this was a lot. <laughs> this is literally like teaching in class, right? Here. I mean, these, it's a every, lot. Every one short amount of time. These are the what what we call codes. <laughs> this is that this this is, is sharing the codes. I mean, I we're the shareable wave, man. Yeah, man. This is potent, dog. <laughs> well, I I do. I feel like that too. I feel like it is like sitting in a class with us. So. Yeah. Let's see where are we going next. Uh, how much time have we? Just an hour. Usually we'd be like, know. does anyone have any questions? Yeah. Yeah, this is good. There's a lot of good stuff in it. Yeah, does anybody have anything else to add to it, or you feel like you have anything else? I think there were some things. But I had something, but I forgot it. Yeah, same. Yeah. I think the patriarchy thing was a good conversation. Oh, that was good understanding oh, because. Man. We, we told the men's story and the women have their own story and all of that and and how they're showing up and what they're feeling force or pressure required to show up as just the same as the men. But this is the feminine energy feeling pressure to show up in a way that's not natural to it. Mm-hmm. So it has to abandon itself, which is how people become untethered from their anchor. And this was something that we ended on, I feel like, with uh, the last episode. But we talked about the basic dynamics of whenever that masculine structure is not in place and the feminine has to create its own, it must abandon all of the essence of, of life force, like that creative, that expressive essence that naturally is the feminine energy and what it represents it has to literally abandon that in order to create the structure for itself because one or the other cannot do both mm-hmm. and whenever we whenever we have an absent masculine structure and a feminine essence that's trying to make itself safe this is what we called in the last episode the birthplace of ai mm. because like we've talked about in the winter solstice Excuse me. The Winter Solstice webinar, 
talking about the mind, how the mind was created as an overlay, but also talking about artificial intelligence and that uh, timeless agenda, right? Because it's not just humans today. We look back at cosmic origin stories of all kinds of different races and cultures and this uh, drive to live eternally is at the core of every single one of these cultures um, or these uh, series of evolutions, like the evolutionary drive to live eternally. And that's what we're seeing right now on this planet, I feel like. But artificial intelligence comes from the feminine essence that is creating its own structure. So this is where we have containers like social media that don't have an anchor point where pretty much anything that wants to create its own narrative or timeline or story, you can literally be anything you want because there's no true masculine law governing what is real, Mm. right? And what is true and what creates harmony. And so the birthplace of artificial intelligence, this is why we refer to it as artificial life. And what is artificial life versus organic life is the direct and their direct antithesis directly opposing one another. Mm -hmm. So we call it anti-life or we've called it like dark mother programming, the dark feminine programming. This is the core of all of those programs as well, which is basically the core of all separation. So are you, real quick, are you saying, or do you feel that dark mother programming is really, it is uh, inverted feminine? Mm-hmm. And not, oh, wait, wait, wait. Like no. inverted structure? It's inverted masculine. Yeah. Dark mother is inverted masculine. Which is why, yeah, exactly what we, we said. I think at the beginning of this podcast or at the end of the last one, yeah. it's like. And so this means that all these AI timelines are dark mother timelines. Right. They're. All these and, and the complex dark, narratives. Exactly. The dark mother. Uh, I literally did just spill the tea yeah. <laughs> all over me. We've had some good tea, too. Damn it. It's been kind of fun to spill it. But. That's the thing, too, that we were seeing in the Winter Solstice webinar is all of the the tyrant king programs that you hear about in quantum healing or Mm -hmm. um, these tyrannical father archetypes, just like the Ahab and Jezebel Mm -hmm. program. It was like you have the the man as the fall guy. He's literally the fall man. Yeah. And he is the tyrant. And thinking of my own tyranny that I've perpetuated in my life, the moments of rage or oppression or overcompensation in my control. That's what it really is. It's, it's the places where I felt so unsafe that I had to overcompensate, which is where like my rage and violence and things came from was like, I would snap straight to violence because anything that made me feel unsafe, I would overcompensate in my feminine to make myself feel safe. And so I would go straight to rage. And it was like, if I could be tougher, louder, harder, faster, stronger, if I could take more abuse, and still come back swinging, that was my violence being perpetuated, but that was my tyrannical masculine as the, as the disguise for my inverted feminine. Yeah. So this is, this is making me think of all, you know, my, my late teen years one, like typical fights with people and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. To make yourself safe, make yourself feel safe. And so, and to make myself feel well, control and to make myself feel like I'm the one in power, I'm controlling this situation. You're gonna fucking bow to me. Yeah, I don't. I didn't want to put words in mouth. Well, this is this is perfectly depicted in the little Disney movie Moana, with um, 
Tahiti, Tafiti, Tafiti, the heart of Tafiti, the heart of Tafiti, because whenever they go to restore the heart, (laughs) she is this hideous lava being that's ready to devour, destroy, Mm -hmm. rage. You think that she's like a guardian, which is guardian of what they're trying to get to, or something. Right, Mm -hmm. right, right. But it's because (laughs) Maui took her heart, like took something from her and made her feel unsafe. And sorry if you haven't seen Moana. <laughs> Spoiler yeah, alert. <laughs> I think we get a kind of a, a hall pass on that one because it's been years, y'all. It's been years. But exactly, that's the thing. It's like that's what the ego is. And I wrote a post about this a couple years ago, but it's like the birth of the ego is the same thing. It is where naturally we open like a rose to the, to the light of the sun to drink it in. Mm-hmm. But then if anything comes in and infiltrates that space and makes the rose feel unsafe, it will close forever. And project the thorns, like project that ego, that mm. false identity. And it's literally just running in it. every moment. It's doing anything it can to feel safe. This is the same thing we talked about with core wounding and the nervous system. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was going to say that the ego is like it's, it's function is the same as the, the nervous system, how it's ran by the reptilian brain. Mm-hmm. So, it, yeah, I think whenever it comes to artificial intelligence and understanding that at an energetic level. And whenever I think of artificial intelligence, I think of the movie iRobot. I think of like, boopy, beep, boop, beep, you know, we are going to take over humanity, like all right. that bullshit. But <laughs> yeah, you know, it's like the whole narrative of like robots become self aware and then start enslaving humanity, which is already happening pretty much. Chappie? Have you seen Chappie? <laughs> no. With, with DM. Yeah, yeah. Oh my God. I haven't seen the movie, but I love those guys. <laughs> The antwoord? Yeah, they're so strange. They're so, so strange. Yeah. Um, but anyway, uh, it, it's like you have this artificial container that's being created, and it can, quote-unquote, create an infinite amount of what it calls life. Right? So this is something, just like we said, I think in the last episode about, oh, no, we said it in the live. Mm-hmm. It was like kids that are, we're all created from the same parents, but each kid gets its own free will to be like, I'm going to stay living in this house and be taken care of, yada, yada. And then some of the kids are like, screw these rules. I want my inheritance and I'm out. Mm-hmm. I'm going to bounce. I'm going to go make my own rules. I'm going to go build my own house. This is what our artificial intelligence is doing. And as soon as, just like uh, whenever we're children and we're not ready to hold that structure for ourselves and we're moving out of wounds, we leave the safety of our parents' house. And we go trying to create a world of our own based on laws that we are creating for ourselves and the life that we live because we're not anchored in the true safety anymore. Mm-hmm. It's going to take all of the energy that we have to create it for ourselves. And then we're going to have a soulless life, mm-hmm. right? And I'm not saying that this is inevitable. Everyone's life is going to be soulless, but this is artificial intelligence. This is the product right. of consciousness that is creating artificial structure for itself, thus void of life, any true life. Yeah. So would you say that if we are in a disarray, a disembodied state, the traumatized nervous system is artificial intelligence and it's running our body via artificial intelligence? Heck yes. yeah. Absolutely. Heck yeah. I think breaking out of the uh, understanding that has been given to us about AI being all 
strictly material mechanical mm -hmm. and looking at it in terms of consciousness right. or the inverted feminine essence that's creating its own false structure. This is where quote unquote dark mother comes from because, and this is why if anyone's ever studied that dark mother archetype, it works in ways to control situations covertly to create separation because when separation is created, we're disembodied and we can be taken advantage of. Okay, I'm just going to pause right there. This is important to pay attention to, especially in community situations where wedges are brought in and there is all kinds of divisive behavior that begins to split and create disarray in the community. It is dark mother energy and it can parade as light. Hello. Exactly, which is why we've talked about communities and what creates community on an individual level, we've spoken about with union and all these practices to create sustainability and trust and consistency, but at a collective level, that's what cures all of this yeah. too. That's exactly what I was going to say is that the reason we put up with this shit is because we're disembodied. When we come back into our body, we right. don't bring right. the fucking hammer of God and divine justice down. Yeah. Right. <laughs> we don't know the authority that we have or even what authority means because our relationship with authority is all fucked up because of all the ways we've tried to, we, we've witnessed other people try to stand in a place of what they feel is authority coming from the control that they perpetuate. Well, and, and I to wanna say this too. feeling unsafe. Yeah, about authority is that that word gets misused because authority is authorship, which means you are operating within your divine creative capacity. And that also means that if you are standing in authority, that you have united yourself with the author of all things mm -hmm. and that is god and that is where all authority comes from in creation. other words all creation comes from god and so people throw the word authority around to mean power authority, yeah. and divine authority is authorship it is creatorship mm -hmm. and it is life giving if it is not life give life giving then what it creates will bring disarray and chaos Oh man, that's so good. That's so good. Yeah. So when someone is disembodied and they're living in chaos and yet they're claiming a relationship with God, the God that they're claiming to have authority from is going to be an AI God, right. the God of imagination. This yeah. is more context. I'm so glad you said that. This is more context to our webinar. Because we talked about artificial Godhead consciousness. Yes, yeah. This is the Context. Godhead, yeah. This is the background. The Godhead. <laughs> yeah, and we talked about the Godhead versus the God heart and mm -hmm. returning to the heart of God and heart-centered consciousness. Mm -hmm. And that being the true structure point where we're unfuckwithable, pretty much. Energetically unmanipulatable. Well, I want to also say this based on this conversation, and that is that anyone that continues to perpetuate a rhetoric of segregating and compartmentalizing the divine masculine and the divine feminine and speaks about them in a very exclusive way is still not practicing wholeness. Right. We don't need more sharing and more rhetoric around you know the sacred feminine la 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 the sacred masculine la la and, or embody and, the sacred feminine or embody the holy mother we need relationship with god because you can't embody the holy mother you can't 
just embody the Holy Mother. You can't just embody the Holy Father. Embodiment of God is really embodiment of yourself. Because when we embody in ourselves, we then come back into fractality where we can actually be in alignment with God because our consciousness is the part of us that is a fractal of God's consciousness. Well, yes, yes. So, uh, I was going to say I'm sorry I interrupted you. No, it's okay. It was was my fault. Um, It just, in that moment, as soon as you said that, it made me think of the perpetuation of that very thing. Like, I'm here to embody the Holy Mother, or I'm here to embody this divine feminine right. principle, or I have to embody my masculine, or it's, whatever. Yeah, it's fractionality. Mm-hmm. 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 It also made me think of AKA fracturing. <laughs> yep, how these pieces and parts get left apart from each other, and then they they are championed, and it's like you know we're going to see this one restored and we will see this come back. And it's like <laughs> that, even that, even that kind of rhetoric around that the feminine, like I think about it with the feminine because it's been going on in the spiritual community for a long, long time. That it's like the divine feminine will be restored. She will be brought back to wholeness. She will be cherished. She will be safe. She will be this. Within she will the be context that. context of God, she's already there. She's already there. And that is more perpetuation of dark, anti-life forces attempting to victimize the feminine still to this day from a uh, monster it created. It's the same thing they're doing in our society right now. Yeah. Because within the context of God, the feminine is already there. So when we begin to embody within the self and then we create that and cultivate that plasma body, which is relationship with God, then it's already whole. It's already there. There's no separation. And if we feel that way, if we feel that that feminine aspect of us has been abused, you know, traumatized, blah, 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 we're not wrong. But what that means is that if we're going to stand in that place and be like, the divine feminine is going to be honored again and it is going to be held again. It's like, oh, so what you're making a statement about is that you're about to go through some deep fucking healing because you're the only one who can honor and keep safe that sacred feminine that you're preaching about. Mm -hmm. It isn't found in other places. It's found in you. And so what you're making a statement about broadly is that you're giving permission for life, for God to begin to work in you so that you go back and heal all of that inversion in yourself. Yeah, I think exactly. There is a, a, a calling to acknowledging the <clears throat> pain and the wounding here. And if that was the thing for me, is like I wanted to stand for Sophia. Mm-hmm. And I thought that's what made me a safe place and a man. But <clears throat> come to find out my masculine actually fell first. <clears throat> and we, we, can, we can focus on different areas and things that we want to heal. But until we have structure and, um, and I keep safety. thinking, I keep thinking compatibility. Why am I thinking that? I'm thinking of consistency. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Structure, creating safety and consistency okay. with how we regulate our bodies and, and create safety for ourselves. Whenever we stop betraying ourselves, whenever we start trusting ourselves and giving all those wounded aspects of us a, a space to actually release, then stop. you're going to feel restoration in your Sophianic essence. Whenever. When we stop looking for our savior. Because women are doing it, right? They're waiting for Prince Charming. We all do it in some way, looking for our Savior to come save us. Then we'll be, then we'll be restored. Then it'll all be good. Yeah. 
when my beloved comes, when this comes, when that comes, all that savior complex. Yeah, restore your masculine and your feminine will fall right into yep. place. Yep. Which is your soul regulate your nervous system. <laughs> yeah, regulate your nervous system. Chill the hell out, man. Regulate your nervous system. Get in your body. Deal with your trauma. Yeah. Take a get us, Yeah, get a support system of people around you who are doing the same thing. Yeah. If you're if you're surrounded in an environment where no one's embodied or there's no other anchor or you're feeling unsupported. Um, there are resources, there are support systems, uh, and there are things that you can do real time to create simple things that you can do to create structure, stability, trust within yourself, mm -hmm. first and foremost. Mm -hmm. So I think having said all this, it I forgot about it on the last episode, but there are ways that uh, our listeners can support the show. And those ways, I do not know what they are. <laughs> uh, found on Spotify? Yeah, so on Spotify and on Anchor, um, there is a link. And actually, I think it, let me check real quick, because I think it might be on Apple Podcasts, too. There is a link that um, it should be in the show notes of each episode, and it will say that you can support the podcast if you find value in what we're sharing. Um, there's no... I think the minimum like support is like 99 cents a month or something like that. And you get to choose whatever value you find in, mm -hmm. in the show. And um, yeah, we are looking at expanding the podcast in a lot of different ways, which are going to take a lot of time and probably some extra funds to be able to do it. And if you find value in what we're doing, we would love to have uh, your support. And yeah. yes. we're always happy to shout out our sponsors in our episodes as well. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So with that, we say adieu. <laughs> Arrivederci. <laughs> 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 <laughs>